Great to see all of you. I do, I do. We are continuing our sermon series called Set Apart. Um, and what does, what does that mean when we're talking about set apart? Somebody just say it out loud. We're different, devoted, holy. So separate. The, that's, you guys, you guys all, that's exactly, that's everything right there. Devoted, set apart, separate, holy. That's exactly what we're talking about. So today, if you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to do a message a little bit different than we normally do. Usually we um, have three points, and, you know, and all that good fun stuff. We're actually going to break down 1 Peter 1, 14 through 22. So we're going to be reading out of the NIV today. And let's pray. Let's just ask God to speak through his word because he will and he does. So let's just actually ask for us to have open ears to hear what he wants to say, right? Father, we thank you for how amazing you are, God. And Lord, you've just been so faithful. And Lord, uh, God, there's just, we could sit here for hours and talk, God, testimony after testimony of your faithfulness, God, and how you've showed up in mighty ways. And Lord, we're just honored to be gathered together in your name. We pray that you'd speak to us through your word. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, we're going to read verse 14 through 22. So uh, if, you, if you have a Bible, uh, it'll actually title, at least on, in my phone it titled, and it said, to be holy is, what, is that how it titled. So uh, verse 14, it says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed. Say redeemed. That's an important word. From the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he chose before the creation of the world. That's amazing. God had a plan, right? But was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believed in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Last verse. It says, now that you have been pure, now that you have Purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from your heart. It's a lot, isn't it? So what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment and we're going to break down certain, part, certain parts and make points. So it's like a 17-point message of this. <laughs> so we're going to uh, skim on back up to the very top to verse 14 and it says do not conform uh, to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance so verse 14 it says do not conform that word conform if you look at that up in the dictionary it means to act in accordance with so so peter is 
uh, he's, he's uh, telling us that we shouldn't act in accordance with or, or to mold ourselves uh, into uh, the way of our evil desire or how we used to live. Because, friends, understand this. All of us are being conformed into something. We're either allowing our selfish, sinful nature to continue to make us more selfish, <laughs> or we're allowing the Lord to actually conform our lives and make us like Him. And if we're a Christ follower, meaning you know we've surrendered our life to Christ, then we will actually see things of Christ come out of us, right? So, and in some cases, you may see things more dramatically take place where God will do stuff in our life. And then other times it'll be a lifetime of work. So if you're still in the works with certain areas of your life, <laughs> don't get discouraged. Don't think that, oh man, I blew it again. He already knew that. <laughs> right? I mean, think about this. I, I just think this is amazing. He already knew that you were going to be an imperfect vessel. He knew I was going to be an imperfect vessel. And he chose, right? To, to live inside of us and make us represent him. So, so he just reminds us, do not conform to our, that old sinful nature. Don't let that sinful nature get a hold of you where, where you begin to start allowing that thing to take root again. That becomes a stronghold, right? Amen. Evil desires. When we lived in ignorance. Look at your neighbor and say, ignorant. <laughs> See, in South Toledo, that's how, it's, that's how you got to say it. You say, ignorant. <laughs> Friends, we, we actually dumb ourselves down. We actually lessen or diminish ourselves when we allow our old sinful nature to conform us. When actually Christ pulls us up. Do you know that? The scripture says that Christ pulled us out. Right? The muck and mire. He pulled us up. So when we allow Christ to live in our hearts, he actually pulls us up. He calls us up. He bought us with a high price. We are extremely valuable. You are valuable. If you've ever had somebody tell you in your life that you're worthless and you're nothing, there's a lie from the devil. You are precious in his sight. You're valuable. You're so valuable that when we go on to, to, uh, in the scripture, he says he didn't purchase us with gold and silver, but with his precious blood. In accordance to the world, we're called to live at a higher caliber. Look at your neighbor and say higher caliber. It's a nice fun word, isn't it? Verse 15, verse 15 says, he who called you. Isn't that amazing that he called out to us? I mean, I don't know about you, but friends, I was like minding my own business, right? <laughs> I was just happy in my sin and God called out to me. How many, I mean, in some cases, you know, people, they get into, you know, circumstances where, man, they just, you know, they, they fall flat in their face and they call to God. And God's like, here I am. I've always been here. And now, you know, I want to show you a few things. And in some cases, you're just minding your own business. And God just comes and, <laughs> you know. And so he actually calls out to us. He calls you. He calls you by name. Think of this. The God of the universe, the scripture says that he measures the span of the universe, you know, he measures the universe, which is limitless. You ask any uh, person of science, they're going to say it does not end, but God can measure it in the span of his hand. The span is between your thumb and your finger. He measures the universe, calls you by name, 
And to him, you're a speck on top of a speck. <laughs> and he calls you by name. And he calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he calls you beloved. And he calls you his son and his daughter. He calls us children. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. That gives us something to celebrate today. That he calls us. He called me. And, you'll, and, it, and as long as you stay humble, he'll continue to call you all of your life. He'll call out to you. And sometimes we need that, friends. I mean, how many times have you been in a place where, where you needed somebody to give you a good, nice little whooping because you were acting up? Right? Adults, we don't think we need whoopings anymore. We probably need the most. I mean, seriously, I mean, you're right. Time out. <laughs> That's right. Right? I mean... You know, God says that, you know, that he disciplines those he loves. And, and that's because he wants to make sure that we're staying in right line. Right? So good. God is so good. He calls us to what? Verse 15, to be holy. And so when we're talking about set apart, that's what, that's what that word holy is. It means set apart. So if you were to actually uh, look up in the Noah Webster 1828 dictionary, which is pretty amazing. It's crazy to think 200 years ago, almost 200 years ago, the way that they defined words was definitely way more intelligent than how we define words now. Um, shocker. <laughs> and so if you were to look up the Noah Webster 1828 dictionary, which is really cool. Now they actually have that online. You used to actually have to buy that thing in hard form. So you can actually look at it if you type it up. They're going to give you something like this. And the Noah Webster 1828 Dictionary, it defines the word holy as this. Whole, entire, complete, sound, unimpaired, perfect in a moral sense. Pure in heart. Free from sin and sinful affections. A man is more or less holy as his heart. This is in the, this is in the dictionary, y'all. A man is more or less holy as his heart is more or less sanctified or purified from evil dispositions. We call a man holy when his heart is conformed in some degree to the image of God and his life is regulated by the divine precepts. That's in the, that's in the dictionary, y'all. That's, that's not a concordance. That's not a commentary. That was Noah Webster, how he defined that, and that's part one. And then this is part two. I just think this was really cool. You know, like when you have like a word and they'll have like, you know, one, two, three. And then part two, this is what it says. You know, holy means hallowed. It's where we get the word Halloween. Consecrated. Set apart. For a sacred use. Or to the service or worship of God. In a sense, frequent in scripture. And this is going to give you some examples in the dictionary. As the holy Sabbath, holy oil. You see those little those little vials that are that we have up here. There's like one there, and then there's one right there. The scripture talks about in James chapter one, or excuse me, James chapter five. It says, "If any among your sick, let him come to the elders of the church, uh, and the anointing of oil and the prayer offered in faith will heal the sick." So, so that is something that we've just set aside uh, as consecrated, as set apart, as holy. Believing that there's just something supernatural that takes place when we take that thing and smear it all over your forehead. <laughs> I don't know why, but God 
for some reason, honors that, right? Holy vessels, holy nation, a holy temple. So what we've done is this used to be a barn where there were animals at one time. And we have actually set this building apart to be like a holy temple, right? Okay. And then a holy priesthood, that's what we're all called to be. At one time, the, the Levites were the only people that were the set-apart, dedicated people of God. But through the blood of Jesus, now we are all called kings and priests, right? Queens and priests, God's holy priesthood. That's pretty amazing. I just want to highlight this, this, the very first three words on, under uh, that definition, which are whole, entire, and complete. Go to the next slide if you can. You guys remember this. You guys remember McGuire? You complete me. And then if you're, you know, that's a little bit older for my, you know, I mean, I didn't really watch that. But I did watch uh, <laughs> Mike Myers <laughs> with his little mini me. <laughs> you complete me. You know, the, the thing, check this out. God is holy. <laughs> don't, please don't. You're going to mess me up. <laughs> God, God is holy means he is whole. He is entire. He is complete. And so friends, when we set ourselves apart for the Lord, have you ever heard that saying there's a God-shaped hole? God actually doesn't just make us holy means set apart. He makes us whole. He makes us entire. He makes us complete. So it's like God is looking down at you who are in the image of God. And he's like, you complete me. You know, like that. Like that's, you know, the little mini-me version of Jesus is you. <laughs> Seriously, come on, I know. Yeah. You haven't, then you're missing a whole lot. So, awesome powers. So, anyways. <laughs> but think about this. So when God calls us holy, he isn't just saying you're, because this is the thing. Um, am I about to jump the, my notes? Uh, probably about to jump ahead of my notes. This is the thing. Friends, when we try to be holy on our own, that produces self-righteousness. But when the Lord makes you holy, right, there's going to be humility in that. There's going to be genuine authenticity in that. And so that's why it is God who makes us holy, not we make ourselves holy. What did your neighbor say? Be holy. Just as I am. <laughs> no. No, that's, that's the Lord. You're quoting scripture to each other. It says, be holy as I am holy, right? <laughs> Obviously, you're taking it out of context because now you're saying, be holy as I am holy, right? That's self-righteous. I just, I just showed you, a, a, you know, self-righteous right there. Okay, continuing on. God-shaped whole, puzzle piece. God completes us. We try all these different things to complete us, right? Relationships. I mean, think of, think of all the different things you tried before Christ. I mean, some people, I mean, success. They're trying to complete their life with success. <laughs> I just got to keep doing it because it's amazing. You know? Seriously. Some people try to complete their life with stuff. <laughs> yeah. They try to complete... Complete their life with relationships. Maybe they go into drugs trying to feel something. But it's the Lord who truly completes us. Makes us whole. Makes us entire. Amen? All right. Verse 17. We're going to continue on here. 
That was fun. The scripture talks about, uh, it says, uh, he who judges impartially. So what that means is, that means that his standard is the same across the board. It means we're all on the same page. We're going to all be treated equal, fair, and just. His standard is the same. So what is his standard? The word of the Lord, right? It's the standard. So, so the word of the Lord is the standard for our life. And it's across the board. So he will judge us all impartially. He's not going to be like, well, you know, you actually worked a little bit harder. So it doesn't work like that. But somehow, in some way, in our, in our mind, we believe that the harder we work, the more we do, that the more pleased he is. And that's not necessarily true. God just wants us to be faithful with what he's called us to do. He's looking for faithfulness, not you doing more stuff. The amazing thing when we see in scripture that I absolutely love is when we see the um, parable of the talents, God said the exact same thing to the guy who multiplied two to the guy who multiplied five. The guy who multiplied five had more. And he said the, he gave the exact same reward. It's just faithfulness, right? Faithfulness. Amen. Verse 17, okay, it says, in reverent fear. I actually want to read uh, that, that full verse because it's good. It says, since you are called on a uh, uh, since you are called on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So what is reverent fear? Reverent fear is, um, have you ever been burned before? You ever been burned? You ever, is, is, there, is there somebody on, maybe on a, on a part of your body that you now have a scar because... Because you and a flame was a little too close. <laughs> so what happened is after that experience, you probably had a reverent fear of fire. Some people will have an irreverent fear of fire, right? They don't, you know. I mean, think of this. You have, you know, uh, firemen who have a reverent fear of fire. They know that they can step into a fire and it can take their life. Right. So they, you know, they, that's why they train and that's why they, they go through such rigorous stuff because they have to fight fires. I, I mean, how many times have we heard uh, stories where uh, a person, uh, maybe uh, they had a loaded handgun in a, in a um, you know, maybe in a side of, of, of their bed and accidentally shot, you know, a child shot themselves or shot someone else. Because. Perhaps there wasn't a reverent fear of that firearm, right? When, when I brought uh, uh, guns into my house, uh, I, uh, and this was training from when I took my, uh, my uh, CCW and it was, it was a police officer. And, and they tell you what you do is when you have young children is, is you show them, you know, the firearm, you let them hold it and you, and you explain it to, to them what this is. You know, that this can kill, it's not a toy. And you, what you do is you create a reverent fear with that firearm if you, if you have one in your home. And so, because in the right hands, it can protect, and in the wrong hands, it can devastate. And so, that's why we are called to have a reverent fear of the Lord. Because in all contexts, God wants to protect. Right? Yeah. He wants to be there for us. 
But do you, have you read in scriptures what happens to those who don't have a fear of God? Who don't live for the Lord? It's talk, it uses uh, adjectives like burning fire and flame and torment. Right? Hell. So that's why we're called to have a reverent fear. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. I know it was all funny now. Now it's all serious. <laughs> Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, And do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Have a reverent fear of God. It's the beginning of wisdom. And so when I look at, when I look at this, it reminds me of a guardrail. And so if you have ever drove uh, cross country, maybe you've seen a, maybe you had a beautiful scene like that, okay? That guardrail is, is there to protect you and to warn you that there's death on the other side of that guardrail, right? If you were driving around something like a picture like this, flying at high speeds, and there was no guardrail there, and let's say it was slick, I don't know, that actually looks like maybe it's kind of wet. And you slid off that cliff. What do you think is going to happen? Bye bye, baby. <laughs> right? It's going to look like a, like a movie. You're going to be sinking down in the water. Probably die, most likely. Because a guardrail is there. Right? You're, you're not afraid of the guardrail in that context. Right? I mean, but on the other, but you should be afraid of what's on the other side of that. And that guardrail is there to serve as a warning and to protect us. And in the same way, that's what a reverent fear of the Lord does, is that it should help serve as a warning and protect. Because the fear of the Lord in your heart will say, I'm going too far or I'm about to go too far. Okay? And it serves as a warning, like, hold up, danger zone. You're about to royally ruin your life. Stop. Right? Have you ever, have you ever had, the, have you ever thought out a sinful situation in your mind and the Lord show you what the end result of that is? That's called wisdom, which is the fear of the Lord. And hopefully in that situation, you didn't continue out on that thought that was in your brain because you thought, I'm going to really screw up my life. Or I'm really going to side rail this relationship. Or I'm really going to destroy all this progress that I've done and, and totally screw up. Because that's what that is. That's that. That's the Lord, the Holy Spirit, right? Not only is He, in, and not only does He give us encouragement and joy and peace, but He also gives us warning, danger. Woo, woo, slow down. The fear of the Lord. You guys with me? Yeah. All right. And then we're going to continue on here in verse eighteen. You guys liking this? It's a pretty good verse, isn't it? Or verses, set of verses. I want to read through verse eighteen again. Verse eighteen says. It says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from that empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. So that word redeemed means that we were purchased. Somebody purchased you. Somebody paid for you. How many parent in here understands that your child didn't come into this world for free? The Thomases know they're still paying. <laughs> she said, thank you. <laughs> right? I mean, it, what, what's the cost? I mean, uh, I don't know if, if you guys have gotten your bill yet, a Browns. 
back in my day, I thought it was around $20,000, I think, to, to, to bring a, a child into this world by the time you have all of your bills and all that other stuff, something like that, right? That's expensive. So, so when you bring a child into this world, they're expensive, right? You paid for that. <laughs> well, friends, in order for us to be with Christ forever, he paid for that. And it wasn't with, with gold or silver. It wasn't with, you know what I mean, anything that is intrinsic on this world. But the only way that that could happen was with the blood of Jesus. And you can't, we can't repay that. We can only offer ourselves back to him and say, God, I'm, <laughs> I don't deserve it and I can't earn it and I'm yours. <laughs> you were redeemed. You were ransomed. You were rescued. From the curse and from generational curses. He said he ransomed us from our, from the, from, you know, from the, our sinful ancestors. Think about this. There are, there are people, when I look at my life and I look at my lineage, there is, there is levels of alcoholism that were generational, right? And without Christ, without Christ changing my life, what do you think would have happened? Because it says, I will curse down to the, to the you know, third or fourth generation to those who hate me. So, you know, my grandfather was an alcoholic. My dad dealt with alcoholism. What do you think was going to happen? I was falling right into that same trap, not even realizing it, not knowing that that, that was a, a generational thing. But then he blesses those down to a thousand generations of those who love him because you were redeemed. <laughs> do you get this? From the curse, from generations of curses. And you can start a generational legacy. Through the precious blood, right? Verse 19, the precious blood. And the scripture goes on to say that uh, he was blameless, a blameless lamb. And this is what's amazing. Verse 19, or uh, I, uh, when talking about the blood, I think of this. I thought the first thing I thought of uh, in that verse is I thought of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for our sake, he made himself to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. He knew no sin, right? That's why we said he was perfect. He didn't know sin. And he became sin for us. It's amazing. This is why, this is why people right, clap and say there's joy in the house of the Lord. Because we were one way and now we're another. Because we know that we've been redeemed and purchased. And he loves on us. And it was his precious blood, the powerful blood that was without blemish, that lamb that was slaughtered, that hung on that cross for you and for I. He was thinking of us. Think of the, I mean, how many times have you ever been put in a situation where you had pain and you removed yourself from pain? Right? Whether it was a relationship, painful relationship, or let's just say like you were hurting yourself. And so you like, right? I mean, if we're just talking about fire, you have a uh, a healthy sense of fire. If I have like, uh, you know, one of those candle lighters and, you know, and we have fun you, when you're, when you're like, what, like 10 years old, you're like, Ooh, you put your finger over it. But do you just hold your hand over that? Right? No, you don't do that because there's something inside of your, your, you have this, that's going to move away from pain. It's, it's, it's building your DNA. And Christ, the scripture says that he had all authority on, you know, on the cross. He could have called on legions of angels and yet he s remained on there. They were like, if you're the son of God, get off the cross. He absolutely could. He could have said, I'm done with this. But he hung on there for six hours thinking of you. The scripture says, for the joy of, who the joy set before him endured the cross. That's why we're talking about the precious blood. He endured it. He, 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 he just took it. 
for you, for me. It's good, isn't it? All right, let's continue on here. That was verse 19. We're going to skip a few verses and we're going to go to verse 22 here. In verse 22, it says, it says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. So uh, the first part of that, it says, purify yourselves by obeying the truth. Purify yourselves by obeying the truth. Uh, to be holy is to be pure in heart, right? Isn't that what the 1828 uh, dictionary defined it? One of, the, one of the many words was to be holy was to be pure in heart. But how do you purify yourself? It says purify yourselves by obeying the truth, right? Purify yourself by obeying the word of the Lord. That means that we have to listen. We got to have ears to hear. That means we got to um, respond in some way. And then that means we have to act on that. So when you hear the word of the Lord, the way that we actually purify ourselves is by obeying what the word of the Lord says. So we hear it, we respond to it, and we act upon it. Look at your neighbor say, do what it says. Do what it says. Do what it says. That's what it is. We purify ourselves by doing what the word of the Lord says. And then uh, continuing on there in verse 22, we're coming to a coming around and on. Wow, man, this, this is going to be a short message. Verse 22, at the end of that, it says, sincerely love, uh, sincerely love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. So it uses this word sincere love, which means that there could be surface love, right? You could have superficial love, <laughs> Right? You can have um, love that's, you know, based on what you offer to me. I only love you when you give me whatever I want. You stop giving to me, I'll stop loving you. That's conditional love. Isn't it awesome that our God does not love us conditionally? He actually loves us unconditionally. He even loves you when you are being an idiot. Seriously. Because his love is unconditional, right? Nothing can separate us from, from the love of God. Isn't that amazing that, that when we mess up, when we make mistakes, even though we're conditional, we put conditions on all kinds of people, conditions on ourselves, conditions on God. He loves us unconditional. So in the same response, he asks us to love people sincerely. And the only way that you can love somebody with a sincere heart, the only way that we can love somebody sincerely and deeply is that his love has to be bursting out of us. It has to be in us and it has to burst out of us because you cannot love people with your own uh, ability to love because that will be, it's selfish when you try to do it in your own strength. Think about this. I mean, how many relationships have you been in where uh, it was a bad situation because it was all about you or all about them and it was all one-sided? And then when you come into a relationship with Christ, he's made it all one-sided because he's done all the work, but yet he gives you all the benefits. That's crazy to think. <laughs> oh my gosh. So he asks us to love sincerely. Don't love people superficially, not just surface, not just pretend, but deeply. And the only way that we can do that is let God's love deeply live in us. 
Let it deeply live in you. Love deeply. Love sincerely. We're going to end with uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Wow. I think we're going to be done before the kids. Mm-hmm. There's a verse, uh, there's a part of this verse that I really want to highlight. Did I underline it? I sure did, because that's what I, good. I'm glad I remembered that. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 2. Uh, we're just going to read because it's kind of in context, but it, I can't just read that second part without it going through. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exile scattered throughout the providence of Asia. So he's saying that he's writing this to the people of God, right? You're God's elect. You have chosen him. He's chose you. Right? You're God's elect, okay? Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Benthna, or Benthnia, um, have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, God's uh, grace and peace be to yours in abundance. So he says this one part in here. He says this. He says, sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now that word sanctifying in the Greek, what it means is, <clears throat> that word sanctifying means To make holy. Sanctifying work of who? Man? Who? You? No. The sanctifying work of the Spirit. This is where I jumped the gun. It is the Spirit of the Lord that makes you holy. It isn't your works, it isn't my works. It is the Spirit. It is the sanctifying work of the Spirit of God in our lives that makes us set apart. That makes you in right standing with Him. That makes us separate unto Him. We do not make ourselves holy. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't make yourself holy. God does that. His Spirit does that. And I just talked about that already. Like I said, I jumped the gun. This was like my punch at the end, and I just couldn't get away from it. When man tries to set himself apart, it will only end in self-righteousness. And we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen in Scripture with the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the other Cs. You'll see that happening here today. Think of this. There are, there are affiliations and denominations that have, they are quote-unquote holy, and it's about all of these rules and regulations on the outside, and to be quite honest, it is a bunch of self-righteousness. Because what a self-righteous person will do was, is they will try to put on someone else their beliefs. That's not in the scripture. Right? They will put on you a standard. And Jesus said this. He says, you try to put standard on others. He's talking about the the Pharisees or the Sadducees or one of the C's. And he said, you put a standard on others that you yourself are not willing to carry. What do we call that? That good old uh, word that none of us ever want to be called. Hip-o-crit. Right? (laughs) Hippopotamus. Right? You don't want to be called a hippopotamus either. <laughs> Hypocrite. Right? Because we know what that 
denotes as a person who's saying one thing but living a different life, right? And what happens uh, when we try to be holy in our own standard, it will end in us being self-righteous and pious. And we've seen, in, we've seen throughout history where the church, you know, with good intentions, are doing all of these things, and then it becomes legalism. And that's why, we want, that's why we're going to continue talking about being set apart. And hopefully Pastor Joy uh, hits it next, no, two weeks from now. Uh, about what, what, what does that mean? What does holiness look like? Because there's a lot of stuff that can be deemed as being, well, that's holy living. And it's not. <laughs> right? Could you stand your feet with me today? We're going to pray. I don't ever have you guys stand up. I'm going to have you all stand today. I mean, you don't have to stand if you don't want to, but. Let's just take a moment. I, you know, we need to have this, uh, this, this amazing balance in our life where we're, God continues to show us his unfailing love and leads us. It's God's goodness that leads us to repentance. But also inside there is this thing that knows that if I decide to go down this road, at the end of that road is destruction. It's disaster. I'm going to hurt people. You know, that's that fear. I was talking with somebody yesterday um, and uh, they were just saying about like our church and and like, I don't, I don't know how we even got in the conversation. They were talking about how, um, like, you see like churches, like they like embezzle money and then it's like all over the news and stuff like that. And they're like, you know, I just, he was like, I love that. I know that you guys are honest and that you guys, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you take care of, you know, the money here in, a, in an honest way. You know, I said, I said, first off, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> mismanaging God's money? Nope. What's that? Reverent fear. <laughs> I said, no, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> right? And obviously, honestly, I mean, that's, that's, that, is a, that, is a, that is something inside of me that we're going to, with integrity, ha handle the, the, the funds and, and, and the resources of God. Because there is, in my life, there is a holy fear of when I stand before him. I mean, I, no. <laughs> nope. Not here. So there, in, in some contexts of our life, there needs to be that, right? There needs to be that. Like, like there needs to be, if I continue to think with this line of thinking, there's going to be disaster at the end of that road. If I, if I continue to walk in, in this way, there's going to be disaster. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we not only need your love and your grace and your power to well inside of our lives and enrich our lives and to fill our lives, God, and to flow out of our lives, God, for a, a generation that needs to see men and women who love them. But, God, we also need that reverent fear that would be like those guardrails on our life, God, to help keep us from falling off the cliff and going to destruction, Lord. So Holy Spirit, we, we just invite you to, God, to uh, overtake areas of our life, to, God, highlight areas of our life that could lead to destruction. Your word says sin that leads to death. Lord, would you just highlight and would you give us this wisdom that when we would see what that, what that would look like if we continue 
acting out in that way, if I continue living out in that way, let us see the disaster that could cause. In Jesus' name. So I'm asking for myself and I'm asking God for our church, God for just a renewed, reverent fear. I don't think I've ever prayed that. And we're praying now. God, just give us a renewed, reverent fear. Jesus. Especially where, God, the lines have been crossed. God, the, there's so much gray area now. And we just need your word, God. And we need, we just want to stay in, in that place where we're staying smart and protected and in your grace, Lord. So, Father, we say again, God, we just commit ourselves to you. And if you're in this place today, friends, and or if you're tuning in online and you've never fully committed your life to the Lord, just do it right here, right where we're standing or right where you're sitting. And just say, Lord, here I am. I, I made it this far here in church. And I'm going to take the next step and I'm going to commit my life fully to you. Just do it right where you're at. You know, it doesn't have to be loud. That's why we call it personal relationship with God. It's personal. It's you and him. And, and, and we're, let's, just do, let's just do something else here as well. If you've prayed that prayer, if you've done that, thank you. Awesome. Let's take another step. If you have a family member that you know need to have a relationship with Christ, we're going to take a moment. We're going to go into some prayer for a moment for somebody else. Usually, usually we take this time to pray for us, but let's pray for some other people. Think of that person. Think of the, the group of people, somebody in your life that you know that needs the Lord. Let's just, for a moment, let's just lift them before our God as we're standing in one accord or sitting in one accord. Just pray for them. Just pray for them. Yes, Lord. God, I lift my siblings to you, Lord. Thank you, God. Would you get them, God? cousins, nephews, uncles, aunts. God, help them to have a relationship with you. Let them see you, Lord. Would you reach out to them, God? In the name of Jesus. If you have a, if you have a child that's walked away from the Lord, we just stand in agreement with you. <laughs> Bring them back home, God. Jesus. Yes, Lord. It's funny how just everything shifted in here when we started praying for other people. That's awesome. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Ready for that blessing? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen.